Hello everyone and welcome. This is Isalyn Mühlhauser. I'm your host today for the WTS podcast. This podcast is here to amplify brilliant women's voices. Today, we have a special guest. As usual, we always have an amazing guest. I'm here with Adriana Stein. Thanks so much for hosting me. It's a pleasure to be here. <laughs> And the topic is great. I know that lots of people dream of uh, leading an agency, so stay here. This is what we'll be discussing today. Um, and you mentioned when we prepared this interview that um, we were going to discuss how to scale a marketing agency from zero. But what's really special is that you are um, you are running an agency, but originally from the U.S. You are living in Germany now, and you're running. You are the CEO and founder of this agency, which is based in. Germany. So that's a whole different type of challenge. I can imagine. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> Great. Thank you so much for, for hosting me. I'm, I'm excited to be here. Anything involved with WTS is, is the best because this is, I think, one of the most amazing communities I've ever been a part of. <laughs> so uh, shall I go into my backstory then? Yeah, because I know I know about your backstory, but most people probably don't. So let's start with that. Okay, sounds good. Yes, yeah, so I'm originally from the U.S., but have been living in Hamburg, Germany, for nearly eight years now. I moved here originally to study, and there's a lot in that that unfortunately didn't work out correctly. But that's fine because uh, when one door closes, another one opens, and so I ended up. Uh, because I had spent time in German language school and, and learning German, uh, I ended up working as like a, a freelance uh, content writer and, and content translator. Um, and that was my uh, first kind of job in Germany. And that's how uh, I started out in the marketing world and the SEO world in particular. So luckily, my language skills were in demand because of uh, being a native English speaker, then I could help German companies, uh, mainly with their uh, U.S. content marketing. And so that's kind of how I got my start. And then over time, that ended up being something that a lot of companies needed help with. Uh, so like a lot of us in SEO, we didn't intend to get into SEO, but it ended up kind of being my whole jam, let's say, my whole wheelhouse. Since um, that worked out quite well for some years, then I also then scaled up uh, into my agency now, AS Marketing, and we support uh, global clients uh, in over 30 languages with native speakers, and we still specialize in the thing that I started in, uh, which was, was localizing um, for that new market and for that new language, uh, but we do more than SEO. We do uh, holistic uh, marketing as well, so PPC, email marketing, brand strategy, um, all of that good stuff through the support of uh, my really amazing team. That's a wonderful path, but it also sounds like a lot of job for one person, <laughs> for one person <laughs> role. And I, I know when we when we talked to prepare that you mentioned that you had a burnout. Can can you like was it just because it was too much? Like what's happened exactly? And when yes. <laughs> So, I mean, a lot of entrepreneurs go through burnout, um, and I was definitely no exception. And a lot of it has to do with that we, especially in the beginning of developing our businesses, 
we have to wear a lot of different hats. Um, and the funny thing is you go into any kind of consulting and then you think you're going to do that kind of consulting. But actually, uh, the other half of that, if not even more, is learning things like finances and how to sell yourself. And so those are a whole other set of skills that you have to learn. Uh, and then when you're scaling a business, you also, in addition, need to learn operations, which is a whole other skill set. And then as your business grows and you have a team, then you need to learn management as well. And so even though I'm still very closely connected to the SEO world and, you know, check in with some of our client projects and, and things like that, um, I'm not so much doing our like our actual client work. That's what our project managers project managers do. Um, but getting to that point where I could focus on more like the admin side of the business, doing our own marketing, which is my favorite part of it. Um, and then the. The, the part that I hate the most is accounting, but, you know, someone's got to do it and uh, I'm the one who knows it the best. So but to get to that point where you can have a team to um, completely execute projects that I may not have even actually met the client, um, then that's that takes some time. That takes a lot of practice and optimization. And going through that really in the beginning was what caused my burnout. Um, because I just I didn't know how to do that. I didn't I didn't know um, about operations. Uh, I didn't know how to be a manager. I didn't know how to train people. I didn't know how to brief people. Um, and so in the beginning, there was a lot of me like redoing a lot of work. Um, in the beginning, I also led all of our client projects, which was like that was so difficult because I remember at one point we got up to 14 clients and I was in charge of all of them. And that was like a total disaster. And I'm so, I'm so glad that, uh, that I don't have to do that anymore because like our project managers, they usually have like three projects. And so if you imagine me doing like 14 plus running the business, that was insanity. I mean, it was like constant meetings, you know, and then, you know, fixing work that other people had done incorrectly, but was also my fault that I didn't brief them correctly. Just not having processes to standardize projects, to standardize how work is done, to standardize how client communications are done, all of that kind of thing. And so I was probably around two or three years ago, even up to that point, uh, I was still working like 50, even 60 hours a week. And it was like craziness. The most time that I could really take off was around Christmas, because that's kind of when the whole business world shut down. And I'm always thankful for that time. Still nowadays, to be honest, because it's like when I can really check out, it's hard as an as, as an entrepreneur to like completely check out. Uh, if you ever get to that point, like I'm really happy for whoever gets there. I think I care too much to do that. Like I, I do take a lot more holiday now. Um, and I and I work a lot more normal hours, which is great. And actually, I don't work Friday anymore, most of the time as well. So I work more like four days a week, uh, which is so much better for my work life balance and, and, you know, just saving like that mental space and being able to prioritize time with family um, and, and, you know, doing like hobby things, seeing friends, um, cooking, which I really like to do, going hiking, which I also really like to do. But yeah, to get to that point, 
you have to, well, one, if you're, if you're rich, you can probably hire like an operations consultant to come and help you. But AS marketing is completely bootstrapped. <laughs> so self, self-funded growth through our profits. Uh, so I had to just, you know, learn, learn a lot myself and, and try to go with the flow. Yeah, that, it took a lot of practice um, throughout that time. And it's, it's such a huge difference because it's funny, like I, I was just having, um, I'm writing today with our, our head of marketing, um, talking to her about a, a project from a couple years ago and like what we did to get through that project. And she was like, what, how did you do that? I was like, well, you know, cause she only joined us recently. And, and I told her, yeah, you, you came at a very different time <laughs> for AS marketing. Um, you know, we're a very different team now than we were back then. And, and, but you have to go through those things in order to kind of refine everything and, and get to a much better stage. Every business has to do it. I think even if you hire a rich operations consultant, you know, to, to help you refine things, you still have to figure out a lot on the way. I'm sorry that you had to go through this and happy for your success and also happy that you are transparent about it because it's true that not a lot of people are willing to discuss the difficult parts sometimes it looks mm. wonderful oh yeah well, let's talk about revenue and <laughs> these yeah. type of things <laughs> but the behind the scene is something different C- can yeah. you share with me a couple of changes or breakthrough that really helped you get from a this is crazy <laughs> to b <laughs> i have some sort of work-life balance <laughs> yes <laughs> Yes. So one of the biggest wake up calls I had. So one of one of our actually our first team members, Liz, who is uh, who has been in charge of operations. She's on the homepage. If you like to check out her, she's really awesome. She was actually the person who helped me build a lot um, within like our project management tool. That's that's one big part of it. And just thinking about how to set up SOPS standard operating uh, procedures, which are templates for things and, and workflows for how things work. But before you can even get to that point, you have to understand, like, what is operations within a business? What is the point of it? Because unless you're specialized in that originally, you probably it's probably not even something you think about as an entrepreneur. And I remember uh, one time she gave me this presentation of here are like the normal roles within an agency. And here are all the roles that you as one person are doing. And that's why you feel burnt out. And I, it, it just, you know, it, it it was so clearly laid out, so visually well laid out. And she explained it so well. And I seriously appreciate her doing this because it totally changed my mindset to think about, okay, we need designated roles for things. We need um, systems for things to keep track of, you know, who's supposed to do what and by when and for which client. And uh, I also kind of around the same time, because this is quite a few years back, I had the opportunity to work uh, within another agency. And I was also one of their project managers. And I won't call them out because I don't want to embarrass them, but they were just a disorganized, chaotic mess. And I learned a lot about what not to do within an agency. And so I actually took that as like a huge learning point about how we as an agency can then improve and do things way better because that was a lot of the problem there. Like the client didn't know what was going on. The team members didn't know what they were supposed to do. There was no 
like database for either party. And that just creates like so much stress and chaos. And so uh, that was really one of the first things that we developed operationally um, was this database within Asana, our project management tool. And we have very a very specific way of using Asana so that our projects are very organized. Our goal is that whenever our team member starts working, they know exactly what they're supposed to do. They don't have to like sort through a bazillion things to, to figure out, okay, these are my tasks for today. They can just start. Uh, and that definitely helps with a lot of clarity. Um, and then just coming up with like better briefing processes. This was a huge, uh, a huge help to, to kind of standardizing things that we do because one, it helps the client side because you know, you're implementing something in a repeatable process that works it's much more efficient. Uh, but then the strategist who's also doing that work, they know what to do. And that helped reduce a lot of my like fixing things time immensely, immensely, immensely. And from this, then we were able to start uh, training people into project managers. And that was kind of like the next level of scaling, I would say, is giving every single project that I worked on as the project manager, giving it to a different project manager. And one very difficult part of that was getting the client on board with that because they were very used to working with me in a, in a specific way of working. There were a few clients I'd worked with for like a year and a half like this. Um, and I had been, you know, kind of the face of that. And so they had very big expectations about <laughs> the new person who was going to come in and, and, you know, like duplicate me. So there had to be a lot of really careful planning about who I put on which project, um, what their expertise was, the training that we had to do for them to make sure. Sometimes I had to stay on like for meetings for a couple months, but maybe I was doing a lot less of the like task work. And so then that also helped slowly reduce my meetings as well over time. Yeah. So that, that really over the past few years, probably three years working towards that made a big difference. Um, and then I would say our our kind of third level of restructuring our, our scaling was giving me back my time to do more for like our own internal marketing. Um, I still lead our, our sales process um, because the as in most businesses, the founder is able to close deals the easiest because they're the most well known. So I still stay in that part because I think it does make a big difference. But now I'm I'm a lot more like. I can help with the sales process that uh, the project manager who's going to run the project is there with me, even from the first meeting, if, if I can try to organize it like that. And then they take the communication as early on in the process as possible. And there have still been some clients who expect to work directly with me. And I have to tell them, like, unfortunately, I can't like we're too big of an agency that there's there's not time anymore. But I have this really great team member. And, you know, if that still doesn't work for them, then they're probably not a good fit. And we have lost some projects that way. But a big part of not burning out and having work life balance is learning when to say no. <laughs> That's the thing. There is a type of client and a type of agency or consultants for everyone at every yeah. step, every stage. But going on the first stage, you mentioned the standardization of the operations. Are there activities you did during this stage that you would recommend also for consultants or freelance, even though they don't want to expand? Because I think <laughs> lots of people yeah. deal with the similar type of 
compartmentalization difficulty. Like there's a limit yeah. to how many hats we can have. So what yeah. what activities like what are what do you recommend? Just SOPs. So everything with SOPs. Standardize as much of your processes as you can as you can. Even if you're working as a solo freelancer and you don't want to scale out into a team. SOPs are still really helpful even for yourself. So set up workflows for things like how you do accounting, you know, how you do invoicing, how you do your tax management and, and anything regarding your finances. Try to set up a system for that so it's, you know, the same and it's, and it's not chaos all the time. That's going to make a big difference in you controlling how much you're able to earn. And then templates as well. So t templates are a kind of SOP templatize what what you do because like i mentioned this is also even better for the client in the end because you can apply you know you know what works so you can apply that to multiple projects and then just you might you know make some tweaks over time some changes especially with within seo things are changing all the time so you can tweak it and optimize it but try not to completely work from scratch all the time and that will help you also earn more in the end because then you're you're going to be a lot more efficient But I think every single business needs to have this focus. I think whether you're a solo freelancer, whether you're a billion dollar company, because I have the chance to see into both worlds because we, we do have quite some big clients sometimes. And I see how much they are still quite disorganized and they're still really winging it. And every single company can benefit from just standardizing way more than they currently do. <laughs> can you give me an example of a of a workflow just for me to visualize like yeah. <laughs> what it means. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. So our, actually, I think one of the most helpful workflows that we set up, um, especially because our listeners for this are within SEO, um, was creating an SEO playbook. So this playbook is basically a process that should be run at the beginning of every client project. So we can understand What needs to be done? What is the situation within SEO within their business? What do we need to improve on? What is our content strategy? And then we go from there. So it, it's actually like a, a fixed um, document with different sections for all of this. And it's, a, it's templatized so that when our strategists work on it, then they have instructions on how to fill everything out. And so They just read through that. Um, some of them have some knowledge of something similar when they start, but some new people, maybe we, we offer some training for some new people and it's really helpful for them because they can learn it really quickly. Some of them, they do one and then they've got it and they can just, you know, repeat it over and over. And the nice thing is this kind of playbook, it, it can, it can flex quite well for different types of projects because, We, so we specialize in localization, but we don't have an industry specialization. We tend to lean, I think, more towards B2B projects, but we also have B2C and e-commerce. We specialize more in, in that tactical side of things. And so that's what's included in, in our template as well. And it, it applies really well to, you know, it can work with e-commerce, it can work with B2B, and then we're just adjusting it based on the specific context at hand. Also, like the scope of work of the project, whether we're doing a high volume of content or a lower volume of content, or maybe it's a one-time project or a long-term project, those types of things can be, you know, adjusted based on the context. But at the end of the day, then we still have very quickly because we can do this kind of 
playbook, um, usually within a couple weeks, we can we can have an idea of where the strategy needs to go that's presented to the client really quickly. So then we can start content production or content optimization as quickly as possible, because that's what we need in SEO to get results is to actually start and get things live and spend a whole lot less time auditing and building a strategy and just start doing something. Because we all know how long SEO can take, how long things can sit with a developer, um, you know, how long getting feedback and content can take. Um, so to, to have the ability to get that done really quickly and the clients understand what we want to do, it's easy for the strategist to put together. It's easy for the PM, the project manager to present to the client. That's been one of the biggest things that we workflows, I would say, that has been standardized. And from that, we, we learned from, from that, that that worked so well with SEO. Then now we have applied that to other channels as well. So we have like our, our PPC playbook, like our Google ads playbook or a Facebook ads playbook or something like this. So it works across different channels. And of course, the tactics are different, but the concept of standardizing it is the same. So does it look like one big interview and when do you do it? Do it? I imagine you have the first contact, which is very often an email, like you calling the person and asking lots of questions or when does Like, at which moments does the playbook take place in the client relation? So it's usually the first thing that we do uh, after we have started a new project. So the contract is signed and usually then we would go and, and we would set up the playbook for the particular channel that we want to work on. There are only some cases where we don't do this if it's like a very fixed project, like the client comes in and is like, we want you to localize exactly these 30 pages or something, you know, and they already have an idea. But the playbook is useful, especially for the long term projects or for uh, for clients who don't know what they need. They're kind of looking for like, please tell me the opportunities that we have here. and What should we work on? Um, so then we, we tend to use it, I would say, probably 70, 80 percent of projects, which is which is pretty useful. Right. And now you mentioned, I mean, today you mentioned you are in the third stage of scaling <laughs> if i can say like yeah. what and what are the current things you want to do in that specific stage now you have standardized operation you have project managers doing project management that free some cognitive space for you and now what's on your plate <laughs> yes so this has been by far my my favorite level <laughs> of scaling i must say because I get to focus so much more like on our own growth strategy and building up relationships with, you know, our network and, and partners and things like that. Um, you know, giving lots of ideas because now I have, for example, Louise, who is our head of marketing. She's really fantastic at taking my like really weird ideas that are sometimes chaotically described. Like she, she, she says basically our relationship is like, I'm the visionary And she's the operator. So she takes my weird ideas and then she actually makes them like realistic, which is fantastic. So I'm so grateful to have her because uh, now that's where I can really focus my brain space and, you know, meeting up with both people like yourself and, and WTS at different conferences and things like this. And, you know, having um, finding people for partners. Um, we're also going to start our own podcast podcast. 
pretty soon. So I'm really excited for that because I've, I've been a guest on podcasts for a couple years now. And I'm, I'm really excited now to finally host because I can, you know, really kind of choose like who I want to meet and talk to. And so that's really exciting to have that chance to do that. And I still have to do the non-fun stuff, you know, accounting, finances, like, you know, still, if there's like a complex situation with a project manager and a client, you know, maybe a client is being difficult and I have to, you know, come in and like negotiate or mediate or something or other like this, I get the most difficult problems, but that's okay. Um, because the trade-off is worth it that now I can really focus on like the creative side um, and, and you, you know, our own growth, which is something I didn't get to focus on for so many years. For someone who is in a similar position today, let's say someone successful as a consultant with a portfolio of clients who wants to scale, like, like who is thinking, okay, today I have enough clients to start hiring someone. And so for someone in this situation, what's your best advice? Hire someone uh, like Liz. <laughs> Uh, who, who understands operations and, and can really help you with that. Um, because like I said, unless you're actually specialized in operations, you, it's, it's a whole other universe to think about things in terms of processes. And so that's my biggest piece of advice because it really changed my way of thinking for everything to have someone come in and, and look at like, how can we standardize this? How, you know, what things are, you know, taking so much of your time, okay, how can we delegate that? How can we train other people? How can we hire other people? Like hiring other people, HR, like that's even a whole other thing. That's a whole other thing to learn um, that, again, unless you're specialized in HR, you're probably not going to know. It's very hard to find the right people. That's like, that's a, that's probably one of the most difficult things I've done throughout this business. Actually, it's it's not finding clients. It's more finding the right people for our team who are really enthusiastic and dedicated and, and committed. Um, it's hard to find really good people. And so all of those things you have to find the best methods for doing. And that's, that's what operations is about. It's about optimizing every facet of the business to make it function as, as well as possible. And then you as the entrepreneur, the founder can then kind of choose where you want your time to be and really think about what you enjoy doing because, you know, life is so short and we, we shouldn't spend a ton of time doing things that we don't enjoy. And so, you know, take that opportunity to, you know, if you do have a lot of clients and you're ready to scale out, take the opportunity to then look at, okay, what don't I like? What can I get rid of? And what can I replace with something fun and, and try to give to someone else? Thank you very much for sharing. I thought it was really helpful to hear you structure the different stages that one has to go through. I mean, we don't think about it, but it's obvious that being an excellent SEO has nothing to do with being an <laughs> accountant and a manager and all the different hats that you're wearing. So huge congratulations yeah. for what you have achieved and for you know, going through this, but also keeping up, like not stopping and doing something else, but really yeah, <laughs> like taking, taking the process to the end to create awesome job offers for other people. <laughs> I mean, this is another thing that, so thank you so much, <laughs> Adriana. <laughs>
Thank you. It was really a pleasure being here. Yeah. I, and I must say that the people make it all worth it. Like I, I love the people in, in this industry and that's a big reason why I didn't quit even on some very difficult days or, you know, well, well, if you're, even if you're a freelancer, you know, you know, days of, of, or months of not earning sometimes or losing money. Sometimes it, it happens and then you can question things. But I think the awesomeness of the people and, I, I just generally really love marketing and I really love our clients as well. And that's kind of kept me going. <laughs> Congrats. And well, I hope you have a relaxing end of the year. I also do like, I love the end of the year when everybody's <laughs> off. <laughs> yeah. Best time. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> and um, wish you the best for the next year. And of course, I suppose you're here to follow up questions and everything easy to find i will link every profile so if you have a question for adriana go to the description of the podcast you'll find the links and everything and well adriana thank you so much for giving us some of your time and for sharing all of this advice tonight it was a real pleasure Awesome. Thank you so much. And thank you everyone for listening. We are WTS Podcast. We are a community for people who identify as female. And we have tech in women in tech SEO, but you don't need to be a tech SEO. And you are very welcome, whatever your level of experience. So do join us. We are super nice, super friendly, and we will be happy to answer your question in our Slack channel, whatever they are, we here. Thank you, everyone. Thanks, everyone. I can confirm it's true what Iseline says to you. Please join our group. <laughs> yeah, join us and we'll have, we have festival, we have everything. So really, really, we are the whole, the whole package. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> Thank you and see you soon.